Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Sask Egg Today is brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. Future Ford is your automotive expert. From sales to service, they're the ones you can trust to get you rolling again sooner. Sask Egg Today with Doug Faulkner. Good afternoon and welcome to Saskag Today. Coming up on today's program, the cattle sector is hoping satellite technology will be the answer for providing forage insurance comparable to how multi-peril insurance works for grain farmers. We'll hear from Damon Johnson, the Director of Strategic Projects with Global Ag Risk Solutions on that. Biosecurity is one of many challenges the livestock industry faces, and the CEO of Farm Health Guardian is addressing that challenge head-on. We heard from Rob Hannum on Friday. We'll hear the rest of it coming up today. And the Russian invasion of Ukraine is having a major impact on agricultural production in eastern and southern regions of that country. We'll hear from Reuters correspondent Rod Nickel who was in Ukraine for three weeks this winter. All of those stories and much more coming up on today's edition of GX on Agriculture. But first, it's time for the Agriculture Outlook with Precision Weather. And that's a presentation of Milligan Bio. Milligan Bio now offers bio meal for your livestock, giving your animals more protein, more energy, and more of what they need. It's also brought to you by Sean Prahitka, your Remax Blue Chip Ag Division Specialist. Beef and Forage Report. The cattle sector is hoping satellite technology will be the answer for providing forage insurance comparable to how multi-peril insurance works for grain farmers. Collaboration is occurring between Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada, the three prairie crop insurance agencies, the Canadian Cattle Association, the Saskatchewan Stock Growers Association, and Global Ag-Risk Solutions in an effort to make satellite-based forage insurance a reality. Global Ag-Risk Solutions, or GARS, is known for its margin-based insurance offering for grain producers, in recent years, it has expanded into data science and analytics and is doing the work to refine satellite imagery into a usable insurance product. The current forage rainfall insurance program in Saskatchewan has been widely criticized. The insurance is based on rainfall data from weather stations that can be 30 or more miles from the forage being insured. Damon Johnson, the Director of Strategic Projects for GARS, says the satellite technology isn't meant to measure rainfall. It measures the vegetative index and compares to the historical norm. A lot of factors go into plant growth in addition to rainfall. Did late spring frosts affect growth? How much snowmelt infiltration occurred? Were rainfall amounts likely and timely? What were temperatures like? 
Johnson believes that by measuring vegetative growth rather than just rainfall, the insurance should be much more relevant. We're optimistic. It's um, like I said, we started this project in December of, of 2022 um, to really get a baseline understanding of um, can we take a product? This product is used in Eastern Europe and you know South America, Brazil, Argentina, for example. Um, so this opportunity came to us by way of um, different insurance partners that we used, and it's really domesticating it to Canadian conditions and Canadian geographies and making sure. It's at the biophysical nature of you know where where you know pasture and forest crops exist in Western Canada. So um, you know we you know, through that first phase we were um, you know very optimistic at the final stage of that that um, there is a product here. So um, you know confident. Lots of work to do yet, obviously, because you know with the analytical part and the design of the actuarial actuarially sound product like you described we're also want to build a user interface and application that producers would access to you know subscribe or get a quote subscribe and 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 you know transact with the product as well too um but our you know our goal would be to uh, pilot it in a fairly intensive nature for next year's growing season and and you know be in a position you know ideally with a couple years down the road with having a product in the market and that would be again by way of uh, our provincial uh, counterparts within this project as well as the industry stakeholder groups a critical critical aspect is localized detail rather than relying on data from a weather station many miles away johnson says the imagery can capture a relatively small area containing your actual land of course all this high-tech wizardry is only impressive if it actually works which means matching the vegetative index information to what producers actually see on their land. Johnson says with lots of ground truthing, they are in the 90% accuracy range. And that's where being, uh, being able to work with um, the provinces and different research groups uh, from universities and, and, and different research bodies that have ground truth data, whether it's clipping data or production data or weather station data, is that we've been able to um, have them provide that to us, um, you know, of course, with all um, data provisions and privacy um, being very important within that. But the key is that as we're generating uh, satellite-based analytics and we're generating an outcome, either you know, a claim or a no claim would, would be paid in this scenario. Would the ground truth acquired actual data that's been you know, over the last 20 years suggest the same thing? So um, that's been a key component because, of course, um, you know, satellites and the, op- the ability to operate at scale with a product like this is absolutely fantastic. But you want to make sure that, in that from within a historical sense, if the satellite said one thing, that the production value or the rainfall or whatever measured unit actually happened on the ground replicated or mimicked what the satellite reported so um again this this project to this point would not have been this successful without uh, the cooperation of the provinces on that one the final report to the group from gars is slated for january if all goes according to plan a pilot project will be launched in 2024 with possible rollout of an insurance offering in 2025 And that's today's Beef and Forage Report. It's time now for the Ag Review portion of our program, and that's a presentation of New Era Ag Technologies in Swan River. EX94, Ag Review. 
Vietnam's Ministry of Agriculture and Rural Development has released a revised quarantine pest list, which no longer includes creeping thistle. This decision will come into effect on September 29th. It follows advocacy from Canadian government and industry. Creeping thistle, also known as Canada thistle or field thistle, is a perennial species of flowering plant that can be found across countries in the Northern Hemisphere, including Canada, the United States, and Europe. In 2018, Vietnam announced that they would place phytosanitary restrictions on wheat from countries where creeping thistle can be found. In 2021, Canadian wheat exports to Vietnam fell to just over 20,000 metric tons from over 200,000 metric tons annually prior to the restriction. CN and CPKC Rail supplied a combined 93% of hopper cars ordered in Grain Week 3, a decline from the previous week's 97% order fulfillment performance. The deterioration in performance in total reflects a decline in performance for CN and improved performance for CPKC. In supplying 87% of hopper cars ordered on time in week 3, CN saw performance decline from the 99% order fulfillment performance they posted in each of the first two weeks of the grain year. CN performance fell below the 90% performance threshold for the first time in seven weeks. CPKC order fulfillment performance improved with the railway supplying 98% of shipper orders in week three, an improvement from the 95% order fulfillment performance seen from CP in each of the first two weeks of the grain year. CPKC continues its run with now 19 straight weeks with order fulfillment performance above the 90% threshold. BC farmers say they're increasingly concerned about climate change and the impacts of extreme weather on food production in the province. Because of its warm climate, BC has a unique agriculture industry. The province's farmers can grow fruit and vegetables that won't grow in other parts of Canada, and BC also boasts Western Canada's only major winery regions. But in the last three years, BC farmers have suffered through drought, extreme heat, flooding and fires. These disasters have resulted in crop failures, livestock losses and widespread damage to farmland and infrastructure. Some farmers say they're worried about what the coming years will bring and add their industry will need increased government support to prepare for future natural disasters. Ukrainian officials have asked Lebanon to bar a Syrian state-owned cargo ship carrying allegedly stolen Ukrainian grain from docking in Lebanon's Tripoli port. The Ukrainian mission said in comments to Reuters that the Phoenicia was transporting 6,000 metric tons of corn, which it considered stolen, from the Black Sea port of Sevastopol. In the note to Lebanon's ministries of transport, finance and economy, as well as the Customs Directorate. The embassy said the corn had been stolen from storage units in the Zaporizhia, Mikolaev and Kherson regions. It said the ship was in violation of international law and expressed its hope that Lebanon does not allow the entry of the aforementioned cargo ship Phoenicia to Lebanese ports to sell stolen Ukrainian grain. Ukraine has estimated that 500,000 metric tons of what it calls plundered Ukrainian grain 
had arrived in Syria in 2022 since the February 2022 invasion, shipped from several ports. Private equity firm Roar Capital has agreed to buy Subway in a deal that people familiar with the matter said values the U.S. sandwich chain at up to $9.55 billion U.S., including debt, subject to targets in its financial performance. The deal marks the conclusion of a drawn-out auction that started in February and attracted interest from several private equity firms. For the full deal price to be paid, Subway's cash flow would need to reach certain milestones over a period spanning two or more years after the deal closes, according to the sources. Without the earnout, the deal is worth $8.95 billion. Earnout structures, while uncommon in the consumer and retail sector, are increasing in frequency in a challenging market for mergers and acquisitions as a way to reconcile price differences. And be sure to listen to the latest SaskAg Today podcast. It's brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. Please stay tuned. SaskAg Today will continue right after these messages. Future Ford has been serving the Melville area for over 30 years. They focus on the future. Their staff are ready for what's to come. Ford Tech is changing all the time with new vehicle technology like EV, self-driving, and more. Get ready to drive into the future. Why? Because the future is Future Ford. Livestock market conditions. U.S. live cattle futures for October closed at 181.55 today. That's up 37. December live cattle closed at 185.65, up 52. September feeder cattle closed at 254.27, up 307. October feeder cattle closed at 257.02, up 305. October lean hogs closed at 81.85, up 202. December lean hogs closed at 73.42, up 140. And that's the livestock market conditions. Biosecurity is one of many challenges the livestock industry faces and the CEO of Farm Health Guardian is addressing that challenge head-on. On Friday, Rob Hattam explained his biosecurity system of the same name, launched in 2020. It's designed to mitigate the risk of disease transmission when transporting livestock around Canada. It's software based on GPS, which can connect to a client's GPS network in their semi, or they have the option to have the technology installed for them. Hannum says they conducted a series of pilot projects at farms in Quebec, Manitoba, and Saskatchewan. The latter was around the Saskatoon area. He says they had mixed results with some of the devices during testing. The first few devices we were trying, they really didn't pass the test. Um, but that's what you learn in research. Uh, the good news is, though, we did actually, in the end, identify three devices that work properly. And some of the main things we were looking for would be, do they you know, stand up to the cold winter? Did they continue to work through the winter in Saskatchewan? And we found some that do. Number two, what's the accuracy of the device and the battery life if it's battery powered? And again, we were able to find and identify some that work uh, well enough that we're, we're pleased. And then the third thing is about 
cleaning and pressure washing. And that was a real eye opener, even though some of the devices that we tried were rated to withstand pressure washing. When it comes down to it in real life, the trucks and, and trailers, think of a livestock trailer, a manure trailer, they're washed pretty well. <laughs> and not all devices stood up to that. Again, the good news is we've got three that passed all the tests, and we're now actively promoting and selling those. Uh, they're called the Farm Health Guardian Passport devices, uh, and there's three of them that are available, and, uh, and you can check them out on our website. Hannum notes farmers who participated in the pilot projects were skeptical at first, but changed their mind over time. We were able to show them information that they hadn't seen before about their operation, for some farmers, I think it opened their eyes to a few new new things they hadn't seen. For others, I think they instinctively had a good feel uh, for what was happening on their farm. And this really just proved it. It really kind of confirmed what they knew in their gut already, uh, but really showed it in, in dollars and numbers, uh, what, what was working and what wasn't working, and just kind of confirmed their, their instinct. The products are available for sale. And Hannum says next steps include working with chicken, turkey, and pig farms, promotion, and improving their system. Manitoba is where Farm Health Guardian has gained the most traction. In fact, over 70% of the pig farms in Manitoba use Farm Health Guardian. And so we hope to expand in you know, Saskatchewan, Alberta, Ontario, Quebec, and even in the U.S. as well. As for the cost of Farm Health Guardian? It depends on uh, the size of the system and and what features you want. And so if someone is just interested in recording the people movement, now that's something we haven't talked about yet, but uh, the, the easiest thing to do is record people movement when your workers or visitors arrive on your farm. They can use the Farm Health Guardian app or they can use uh, like a tablet computer and sort of type in their name when they arrive at your farm. And that service is available for as little as $15 a month per farm. So each farm location that you've got that at would be 15 bucks a month uh, just for that introductory subscription. And it goes up from there. Um, if, you've, if you're monitoring trucks, it's $50 per month and, uh, and a little bit higher for the full enterprise system if you were a larger company that had dozens and dozens of farms in your group. Farm Health Guardian was able to secure funding through the Canadian Agri-Food Automation and Intelligence Network, otherwise known as CANE, to run the pilot projects. CANE's contribution was over $136,000, and the total project value was over $393,000. That helped make it, you know, really low cost for the farmers to participate who were in the pilot project. And so thank you to Kane for that support. We submitted as part of that funding, we submitted like a, a project plan as to how we're going to run this research and the experiments. And then we report to them every quarter on the progress that we had for testing the different devices and the ones that didn't work and the ones that worked and what we were going to do next. It also included a number of other aspects where we talked to veterinarians to find out what do they see as the biggest risks uh, for disease spread on farms. Uh, and we worked across, as you mentioned, several different provinces. We had some specific trials in Manitoba and a few in Quebec as well. Hannum says as farm operations are getting more complicated, they're trying to make it as simple as possible. Please say, stay tuned. Saskag Today will be back right after these messages. Welcome back to Saskag Today. I'm Doug Falconer. 
It's mainly sunny and 24 degrees in the Yorkton-Melville region. I'll have your complete weather details coming up at the top of the hour. But it's time now for the commodities update, and that's a presentation of Ducks Unlimited Canada. Ducks Unlimited Canada is offering a new winter wheat program package that will help with your crop's yield and water retention. The winter cereal program package comes with agronomic advice from seeding to harvest and more. With I4. Commodities Update. Canola futures closed down across the board today. November canola closed at 809.10, down $2.20. January canola closed at 815.80, down $2.70. September Minneapolis wheat closed at 765 and a quarter, down 10 and a half cents. September Kansas City wheat closed at 737 and a half down 16 and a half cents. September Chicago wheat closed at 588 per bushel. That's down five and a quarter cents. September corn closed at 478 and a half, up seven and three quarters of a cent. September soybeans closed at 1395 and a quarter. That's up 14 and a quarter cents. September oats closed at 482 and a half, up four and a quarter cents. And that's the commodities update. The Russian invasion of Ukraine is having a major impact on agricultural production in eastern and southern regions of that country. Reuters correspondent Rod Nickel was in Ukraine for three weeks, talking to farmers facing enormous day-to-day struggles. He says just getting approval to go to Ukraine wasn't easy. We have a pretty strong bureau in Ukraine, so for someone to go from as far away as Canada to Ukraine, you do have to make a case for telling a strong story uh, there. And so agriculture is, is kind of what I knew, and so the story that I wanted to write was about the the long-term nature of the problems that the war was dealing to Ukrainian farmers. And we continue to hear a lot about the kind of here and now problems that Ukrainian farmers deal with, like whether they can actually ship grain through the Black Sea, whether they can get planting done, whether they can get harvesting done. And and those are all really important issues. But I felt like there was a larger story or at least equally large story to tell just about how long these problems were likely to have an effect on Ukraine to be, you know, one of the world's big bread baskets. So I started looking at things like the infrastructure damage obviously is extensive, um, not only you know grain export terminals, but more basic stuff like roads and railways and power supply. But I, I focused a lot on the soil in Ukraine because farmers will tell you there's nothing more basic to their farm than the soil itself. Ukraine has some of the world's most fertile soils. The topsoil, if you can imagine this, it goes as deep as one and a half meters in some places. And it's it's being destroyed for a very long time by this war with Russia. So you have sources of contamination that are kind of obvious, like mines and shells blowing up in fields. But you also have contaminants, lead, for example, from munitions leaching into the, the soil and staying there for a very long time tanks driving over fields and compacting the soil, fuel leaking into the soil, all those kind of things. 
the more that I looked into that, the more it was clear that this was going to be, you know, at least decades to rehabilitate the, the soil in, in Ukraine, if not much longer than that. Nickel explains how farmers are dealing with issues like landmines. You get kind of used to farmers dealing with some pretty big challenges, right? And in, in Canada, that can be things like drought and flood. It's a whole different level in, in Ukraine right now, as, as you can understand. Farmers are dealing with this in different ways. I, I spoke with a, a dairy farmer in Harrison province in the south. He was so close to the front lines that his fields were still being shelled by the Russians on a, a pretty much a daily basis. And he was there kind of keeping the farm going while his, his wife and kids were already away in another country. When I was there, he was still hoping to plant a spring crop, and he was very frustrated that he couldn't get government demining crews or NGO demining crews to come and clear his fields. And there just simply are not enough of those kind of resources to go around. Another farmer handled it differently. He was further away from the front lines. Um, his name was Alexander. Um, but he took it on himself to clear his own fields. So his farm was actually occupied by Russian soldiers for a number of months last year. And when they left, they let, well, I mean, there were unexploded ordnance in the fields, but there were also shells that had never been fired, just kind of piled up all over the place. So he wanted to plant. He wanted to get back on his farm. And he got some advice from the authorities, but he also watched a lot of Internet videos of how do you safely remove these things. And thankfully, he was able to do it uh, without any loss of life or limb, uh, at least at the time I was there. I should say, though, like there are others that didn't, have such a safe experience. And some farmers that went out and worked their fields because they looked good. Um, while I was there, there were two farmers that drove over unexploded ordnance and lost their lives right through the tractor. So so it's a very uh, dire situation, and, and they're all handling it in different ways, trying to get back on their feet. He says the courage he witnessed was inspiring. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, there was another farmer that I I met with their, his farm, this is also in southern Harrison province, his farm was occupied for a very long time, for most of 2022. And when he went back to it, it was completely destroyed. Um, so his farm would have been like right between the two armies at some point. So whether it's crossfire or whether there was, uh, his buildings were just kind of set on fire deliberately before the Russians withdrew, we, we don't know. But he had like 11 buildings on his farm and they were all destroyed. There were two tractors that were missing. Uh, he had a lot of stored grain, in fact, on his farm as well, and it was missing as well. So he was starting right over, and it's cash flow is another issue. I mean, you, you have all of this damage, and you aren't, ironically, I mean, wheat prices and other crop prices are up because of the Russian war with Ukraine. Ukrainian farmers don't get any of that benefit, though, because they tend to, to get a discounted price for their grain because of the difficulty of getting it out of the country. So there's a very dire uh, long-term financial story to be told there as well. But Nichols says some Ukrainian farms have been largely unaffected by the war. Yeah, certainly. So, I mean, the, the central part of Ukraine and the western part of Ukraine aren't dealing with the same kind of existential threats, I guess, of, of you know, shells flying into their fields. That, although that can happen, too. As, as you know, there's firing on cities right across Ukraine, and some of that lands on farms wherever you are. So some farmers, yeah, you're right, they can still plant, they can still harvest, but they're still dealing, dealing with, um, with the economic problems, right? Like the prices are not what they need, by and large, for their commodities. 
it's difficult to get inputs into the country, fertilizer, seed, things like that. So some NGOs are trying to help with that. So it's tough all over, but you're right. In, in large parts of the country, agriculture continues to go along. He says the damage done by the fighting means it will take decades to bring the land back to agricultural production. Yeah, absolutely. And that's just the unfortunate reality. You know, with the soil, the thing that kind of shocked me is what, you know, kind of looking at past precedent, there were some World War I battlefields in Europe that had been agricultural land as well. And to this day, some of those fields have still not returned to farm production, partly because of the contamination issue, partly because of very visual issues like, you know, the land is so bombed and cratered that you just simply couldn't get your machinery over it anymore. You wonder what kind of shape the land is in in eastern Ukraine, which, you know, where the war has been going on, not just for, you know, a year and a half, but for almost a decade since uh, since around 2014. So, so I, I heard some estimates that a third of, of Ukraine's grain production potential might be lost from this. So it, it is a very long-term problem. Nichols says he still has some contact with the farmers he met in Ukraine this winter. Yeah, a little bit. Um, not recently, so I'm not up to date on, on what they're dealing with currently. But some of them are still continuing to struggle with wanting to get their fields demined. The economic issues have not changed in Ukraine. And of course, getting your crop out of Ukraine for export is, is probably become even tougher since I was there. As you know, Russia has uh, pulled out of the Black Sea grain deal, and so that kind of left uh, Ukrainian farmers to try to move their crops by rail or even by truck into nearby countries, and, and those are very small corridors compared with the Black Sea. So there's a great deal of crop that's kind of locked up in, in Ukraine now, and so the, the challenges, if anything, have gotten even bigger. Rod Nickel is a Winnipeg-based senior correspondent with Reuters, He spent three weeks last winter in war-torn Ukraine. I'll have more with Rod Nickel coming up on tomorrow's program. Please stay tuned. Your agriculture weather is coming up next. We're here with... Welcome back to Saskang Today. I'm Doug Falconer. It's now 1 o'clock in Saskatchewan, 2 o'clock in Manitoba. Time to check the GX94 precision weather forecast. For the Quill Lakes, Hudson Bay, Swan River... Broadview, Mooseman, Indian Head, and Yorkton, Melville, Roblin, Russell regions today. Filtered sun through smoke, winds northwest at 15 to 25 with gusts higher at times and a high of 26 degrees. For tonight, clear with areas of smoke, winds north-northwest diminishing to 10 to 20, a low of 12. For tomorrow, filtered sun with smoke, winds north-northwest at 10 to 20, a high of 29, an overnight low of 15. For Wednesday, partly sunny with thinning smoke, winds southeast at 20 to 35, and a high of 27. For Thursday, mainly cloudy with a 50% chance of scattered showers, a high of 23. Friday, early cloud turning to sunshine, and a high of 26. In the Paw, it's 21 degrees. Swan River and Brandon are at 24. Dauphin, Show Lake, Russell, and Roblin, 22. Regina, Saskatoon, and Indian Head all reporting in at 26. 
Hudson Bay, Winyard, Wadena, Kelvington, 23, Broadview, Mooseman, 24. The Yorkton-Melville region has a mainly sunny sky, a west-northwest wind at 15 kilometers an hour, 52% is the relative humidity. The temperature is 24 degrees. That's your agriculture weather, and that'll do it for SaskAg today for today. Be sure to tune in again tomorrow at 12.15 Saskatchewan time for another edition of the program. It's time now for the news and sports headlines. SaskAg Today has been brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. Future Ford is your automotive expert. From sales to service, they're the ones you can trust to get you rolling again sooner.